Oh yes, this is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. Today's show is sponsored by Ringmaster on a mission to launch B2B podcasts that create relationships, generate revenue, and drive growth. Ringmasterlive.com. Bam. We're live. We're doing this thing. And I can't wait to introduce my guest today. She is an absolute badass. And well, let me tell you about her. Who, who is this person, Casey? Stop leaving me on my toes here. She's an entrepreneur, a marketing thought leader, a speaker, a writer, and a sought out after expert in a particular topic we haven't really learned a lot about, which is media buying. In fact, not only is she a powerhouse in this world, but she tells it how it is, which is honestly kind of a rare thing in that industry where it's like, sure, I'll sell you media, go ahead and buy it. But no, like we need to know what's going to work and what's not working so much so that she actually was recognized as, as a top woman um, in the media industry by Synopsis Media, president and CEO of Mosaic Media Agency, Marianne Pruitt. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Casey, for having me, man. You make me sound amazing. I will, I will take that badge of honor. Yes, yes. It. Just clip that and that could be your, your wake up alarm clock every day. Ladies I'm all for it. Yes. Yes. Just it'll be my pump up music right there with That's right. the Tiger and I'm just ready to go. Yeah. That's right. We can add in some of that music into there yes. and yeah, make yes. it perfect. I'm all for it. So yeah. I'm so excited. So I'm going to stop talking. I want to smash some things here. So I'm going to hand you this thing. It's heavy for me, but I know you're like Alaska tough. So, ugh. okay, here we go. Go ahead and grab that. Grab it. I got oh, it. Hammer. Yes. Okay, there you go. Wow, that was, yeah, you just wielded that like a hatchet. So right, we, we wrestle with bears. You do, do, right? you do. We can handle this. So, <laughs> take Thor's hammer, smash for me some kind of marketing myth, bogus strategy, misconception, set the record straight once and for all. This was actually really hard for me to choose because yeah, media, there's so many myths, right? There are so many things. Number one myth though. Oh man, I want to go two myths, but I'm going to go do two one. myths. Okay, smash go- one and then you can keep okay. the hammer and smash and another. Keep going. All right. Yeah. Because number one myth is that traditional media is dead. That is probably the biggest myth there is. Traditional media is alive and well. And actually what we saw in the last few years with the pandemic is a revival of traditional media. And we saw this shift in consumer behavior that we have on the digital side, absolutely. But if we do generational breakup and makeup of everybody, the traditional formats came back with a vengeance. We're talking mail, we're talking radio, we're talking TV. We actually saw TV and radio and these local platforms that were traditional platforms become alive with younger audiences as if they were new platforms. So when you are dealing with media and you are looking at your overall marketing strategy, think that through and make sure that we're including traditional in that omni-channel approach. We do not want to ignore it. Myth number two that I would Oh, go wait, with. hold on. Before we okay. smash two. All right, all right, we'll go. We got we'll go. to pick this one apart. Okay. Yeah, pick it. So go. Traditional, me. I mean, traditions. Like what is like, like, I remember when 90s music was like, what's happening today, yeah, right? Now, I guess it's on the 90s oldies channel, but. It you, totally is. Like my son the other day who's 16 goes, mom, have you ever heard of this band called Boys to Men? They are so <laughs> retro and so cool. And I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Son, no, I, I, yeah, I heard about them. I, I grew up with them. 
son. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> As I start breaking out into the song, he goes, you know, all the words I do. I do. I really do. <laughs> oh, really? Did you, did you like whip out I some did. lyrics for him? Oh, I did. I was like, we, we, we jammed on everything boys to men for a good hour anyway. But with that, knowing, yes, the, all the formats and all these things, but we, this generation, this younger generation, and we're talking Gen Z's to young millennials that really truly have only had streaming available. That's all they've had. Of course, we've had radio, we've had TV, we've had those things, but we're talking like music at on demand for them on a regular basis. Like this is a generation that knew Spotify before his parents knew Spotify. They sure. knew to go pick their songs however they wanted to. And so you see like my son saying, hey, have you ever heard of Boys to Men? As if that's a new thing. And as if that's a new, they know it's a retro band. I guess it's like when my parents talk about the Beatles or, you know, Beach Boys or whatever, but we had it on the radio or whatever, or their records that they played. We didn't have it where it was just streaming and they could just go look it up and they could just get it whenever they wanted to. So when the pandemic hit, boredom hit in and set in. And what we saw is them going for other things and they wanted information. They wanted to get um, what was going on in their area. So the younger millennials and the older Gen Zs, they actually wanted to know what was happening in their neighborhood and in their area and what was happening. So we saw this rebirth of traditional media. A few months ago, my younger son, who's 13, we were driving in the car and he looks to my husband and he said, Hey, can you turn on? And he names a specific radio station. And my husband and I look at each other because that's a radio station we listened to when we were in high school. And <laughs> you're looking and you're going, and I said, buddy, what made you think of this station? He's like, mom, like, did you know, these radio stations, like they play music and then now they have apps and they have these, it's like they rediscovered, they knew the apps were there. They knew the streaming was there, but there's an actual radio device that they can listen to. Traditional media is not dead and we can't ignore it because we actually have the younger audience discovering it as if it's new. Interesting. So there's almost this tendency to where if it's old, cast it aside thinking like linearly like it just yeah. that we did that now we don't do that anymore newspapers Correct. existed or this 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 medium existed and radio i mean tv ads billboards direct mail I probably one of we have email why would we care about mail now yeah but direct mail had this huge comeback because people mm. didn't they they were bored out of their minds people were looking forward to going to the mailbox so it, what happened during the pandemic created new habits so we can't look at the pandemic and think okay oh yeah no that was just during the pandemic no the older generation so i'll go a different metric and going into kind of teasing into my next myth is older generations actually went straight to social platforms and digital platforms which was an evolution that either was never going to happen or could have taken another 10 to 15 years but overnight, it transformed it into something totally different. So it's a very interesting dynamic that we as media people and paid media and marketing that we need to be looking at. We need to make sure that this omni-channel approach is more important than it ever has been. Amazing. And so the older generation sought out those newer platforms and the, new, the newer generation sought out those older platforms. Uh, yeah, it was a total flip-flop. Isn't it crazy? Yeah. I love, I love how you said the pandemic created new habits. Yeah. Like what a, that, that's like a mic drop moment right there because it's like, oh, 
their new habits. It's not just, we know it sucked and we know yeah. it was weird, but we, our habits shifted and the, the yeah. things we regularly consume has changed. And the amount we consume has changed. So we mm. overconsume information. We were already overconsuming information, but now we are at a brain stimulation point that is over the top. It is higher than ever. And it, the consumer behavior habits that shifted changed permanently and long-term. Like these are going to be habits that we don't see evolving back. And if they do, they will, it'll take time. It's going to be a long while. I don't see digital ever evolving back. I think people are always going to be digital platform based and be on digital platforms. And they're going to be overly consumed with that. What I do see evolving though, is how you use those digital platforms. You don't just use their because the platforms themselves are shifting on data sets and things that you can use, but that's a different story. We can get into that (laughs) point too, but with that, you know, and the traditional side, we'll see that evolution, but these are new habits that are created where it's like, I want to listen to the radio. I want to listen to local TV. Now I listen to the radio and I listen to local TV, but I may consume it in a new way. I may consume it on an app. I may consume it on streaming or reading on Facebook or reading online, but local and traditional platforms being consumed in a digital age is extremely important. It's the same data sets. It's the same people. We are reaching ad space wise. We're reaching it the same way. So we, there's a way to do it and making sure that you have this omni-channel approach for all the above. Love it. Love it. And I think that's a perfect tie into me just saying, okay, I'm in. Like yeah. I want to do this the right way. And yeah. I'm a little bit of a caveman when it comes to eat. <laughs> I mean, I've done pay-per-click ads. I've, I've bought some advertisements as a marketer, but man, do I not know too much about anything beyond just that small marketing manager scope of buying a few ads here and there. Yeah. Is there a right way to approach this? Like, how do Absolutely. I get started? All that kind of stuff. Yeah. So there Absolutely is. Um, There's no doubt that there's a right right way to approach it. It goes back to marketing 101 and it's very basic, but your first step is who is that target audience? And it's more important in today's world of who is my target consumer. I change it as target audience to target consumer. Who do I want to have purchase and consume my product? Who is that individual and what are their habits? So right step two is once I think I know who my target audience is and who my target consumer is, I want to dig in and get to know them. I need to know them to their nth degree. I need to look and see and analyze who your favorite customers are that you have. Who are the people that recur by and who are the people that you are looking at on the regular? What are their individual habits? Even if you have a B2B brand or you have a B2C, either way, that consumer has a life one way or the other. Um, The big thing I tell B2B brands all the time is, just because you're targeting C-suite decision makers, C-suite decision makers actually have a, jo- a life. They actually have something outside of there. Target them as a person, mm-hmm. not just in their role and look at what they are. So get to know that target audience. So step two is getting to know that target audience and dig in deeper, get to know them really, really well. This is great. Can we go back to number one? I, yeah. I literally was having a conversation today about people figuring out their target customer, their target consumer, sometimes their ideal customer profile, whatever you call it. And I had someone that said, you know what? I love to get you that, but I need more time. I understand the delay. I'm looking for a sentence and you want to write up a report, but I feel like there's so much resistance that we don't really know who this ideal consumer is. And we're hesitant to try to 
you know, like place a bet on one industry person role, that kind of thing. We're so nervous to drill down because we're worried we're going to miss out on others if we drill down. Right. And in reality, what happens is if you identify and drill down and find that individual, the others come. It's definitely a field of dreams moment where if you build it for who your ideal customer is, that ideal customer circle starts to grow. So it is one of those things that you look at and you see, okay, ideal consumer of my product, taking five minutes and identifying who they are. First, you're not going to waste as much money in ad spend. You're going to be able to figure out exactly where they are, which gets me into my next step. And then you get, you actually will then see the sales results of where you need to be. The, the misnomer, and I, I, I'll rewind back businesses. We are overwhelmed. We get exhausted. We have so many different things. We have to make sure we have inventory. We have to make sure all these different things, right? We're checking as business owners and as C-suite that's running businesses. It doesn't matter if you have five employees. It doesn't matter if you have 200, doesn't matter if you have a thousand, we are checklist people that throughout the day, we are adding things to that list while we're taking things off of that list. And in reality, when I hear someone say, you know, yeah, I'll get that to you, but that target audience, I'm not sure. I just, I just need a media plan. I just need something there. Slow down and know for a minute, that's not just adding something to your to-do list. That is something that is going to be crucial in your marketing. It's so basic sounding, but it is such a pivotal and key part in any marketing plan. Booyah. Love that. And, so, and with ahead. that though, I'm going to add one more thing. It doesn't yeah. mean you can't have more than one target audience. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. It's okay to have more than one because can I have 12. You can <laughs> at what point, at what point am I, am I just doing that? I'm trying to get everyone. Well, it depends on what your budget is too. Like how much do you want to spend on that? Think about that. So if you have 12, but and you have a $20 million budget, okay, let's figure it out. But if it's a national brand or if it's just local, okay. You know, how do you dig that down? But if you sit there and you go, okay, here are my top five. I'm going to whittle it down to my top two because most businesses have smaller budgets. Let me whittle it down to my top two. And then from there, I'm going to look and see, okay, how do I target these top two? Where are they and where am I targeting them? And what is the plan built back for that? And when I look at that and I carry through those steps, it's going to become very clear which one I need to start focusing on more and more. And that it, that's like the first step that we as businesses are scared to take because if I niche down too much, then I'm missing out. There are consumers out there who don't, who won't even see me. They'll see you. They'll know who you are. They'll get there. And that's the, it, it's this balance overall that you just have to, it's okay. Don't be scared to niche down. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. So we do pick that top one or two or however many, depending on our budget, we get to know them. Do you have some favorite questions? Like how, how do you get to know them? What are some of the ways you find things, things out? What are their everyday habits? What are the, what's their everyday look like? Is it a woman that's a CEO? Get into, get into very specifics. Does she have kids? Does she drive a certain vehicle? What's her commute like every day? What it like getting through these various things of an individual I like to say it's like dating your consumer. You're getting to know them in a non-creepy way. You're getting to know them. And what would you do? What would you ask on a first date? Those are the types of questions that you're asking about your consumer. You're making some assumptions and things are going to adjust and grow. And you're going to see data sets that are there. But if you know 
very well that most successful businesses have a more niche target of who they're trying to target and get get there and see who they are and get to know them. You know, I love the analogy of the dating, the mm-hmm. dating your consumer. And because I think sometimes, especially in forms, you know, my I like to beat up the B2B forms where you're asking like blood type and social security number right. on your first date. It's like, eh, just get to know each other for once. Don't get creepy. Yeah, don't get creepy. Don't get creepy. Yeah, just, just uh-huh. Those, those initial questions, you know, like, what do you do for fun? And, yeah. and what do you do when you're not CEO badass and that's person? It. That's yeah. exactly right. Casey, you're spot on with that because there are individuals. They're not just a CEO. They're not just a, you know, they're not just a, like, let's say you sell candles. They're not just somebody who is, they, they have something else. Like, is it, let's say it's a consumer product and let's say it's not B2B. So let's take B2C for a second. It's a consumer yeah. product. So let's take that example of, okay, maybe she is C-suite and she has expendable cash. Why does she want a candle? What is it that she was looking for? Where is she every day in her life? And really dig that down and look at it. Is she higher end? Is she like, what are the things that she likes? Does she, does, is there a convenient side? that that is appealing to her is there like what is the message point and what is the overall target of what we're looking at for as that individual consumer yeah love that those dating questions yeah just and not not like you said not the blood type not the are you a donor (laughs) (laughs) that type of that type of question you're getting to know them in that top level where then you can dig deeper as you go how does that help though like how does it help to know? Because I, sometimes I've seen like profiles, like, oh, this person, they love cats, you know, mm-hmm. and they, they have, you know, they have a yellow Subaru or like, how can you use that information? Is there some information that's more usable than yeah. others or? Yeah. So, you know, back in the day we used to, in sales and various things, I used to have these folders that I would have per client and it was their name. And I, over the years and over time, I'd collect information on them. Like what are their children's names? What are their children's birthdays? You know, various things, very individualized as marketers as a whole, when we get to know that individual um, as a consumer and who they are, what we can do now, this is where we get into the digital side and my myth number two of digital is not that scary and lean into programmatic and know that it's there. Traditional and digital can work together and we want them to work together. But in our targeting now with programmatic, we very much can target those. And is she a truck driver? Meaning like, does she drive a pickup truck? Does she drive a Subaru? Does she drive a station wagon? Does she drive like, what are these various things? And we can target ads to their consumer habits. We can also target ads to their beliefs and who they are as an individual. That's why we want to get this information because in programmatic space, we are bidding for the the persona. It is no longer a demographic. It is a persona and an individual that we are trying to get to. What does it mean in this situation? I've definitely heard of the word programmatic, but it sounds like it's this whole different shift in approach or what is that? It is. So programmatic is digital placement. Um, It's not as complex as it sounds, but it is digital placement based on a bidding process. So you have various trade desks and various DSPs that you're bidding to have these ads placed. And what you're doing is you're bidding to target the individual that you want. So you're actually taking, okay, my demographic, and this this is a big thing here, is my demographic is a woman between the age of 25 to 35, right? Mm -hmm. Then I'm going to get into what my persona is of that individual. What does she do? She's C-suite. We can target by job title. We can target by position type of businesses that she works in. 
We can target by what loans she's taken out recently. We can target by what car she drives. That's when you start adding in the behavioral layers of who we want. And then those, then the ads are served where she's consuming, where that generalization of that individual is, the ads are served on those platforms. And then the key thing is when you get into programmatic, and this is a very big red flag, red flag, make sure you have a partner that knows what they're doing in programmatic to target. And they're not just targeting and make sure that they're optimizing on the regular. That is so important. You don't want to be showing up on adult websites. You don't want to be showing up where half of your stuff is bots. You want to make sure that you're really showing up where these consumers are. Yeah. Shout out to Twitter and all their bots. Tell me about where this is. You started getting to where it can go wrong. So where, where are you seeing things go wrong? Let's say they have the wrong partner and they're doing everything wrong. You're showing up the wrong places, all that. What, what's the horror story? The horror stories are the marketers and the businesses that are like, I know I need to be doing something. So they get with a partner or they try to do it themselves back to what you were saying is in that sense of testing it of like, oh, I know I need to go do probably try Google. So I'll test out a little PPC and over here. Oh, I know I need to do a little Facebook. So I'm just going to test it out. And there's no overall arching plan of these working together. They should be working together real quick. We hit on the Twitter side real quick on the Facebook side. Facebook is no longer a targeting tool. It used to be, and it was good. But with Apple updates and everything, it's no longer a targeting tool. And you really need to be looking at it as a brand recognition tool, as an overarching. This is not going to be where you're going to target. You need to shift your targeting to programmatic. And that's where you need to be targeting and looking. Find a good, strong partner. Find somebody who's going to be honest, who's going to be upfront. Do not buy it from a TV radio rep. Do not buy your digital from a TV radio rep. A TV radio rep, that's what they do. Print, whatever. That's what they do. They have all started to go into the space of going into what is programmatic. And what we find is your CPMs are through the roof. Your targeting is off. There's so many different layers of fees that are behind the closed doors and nobody sees them. And so in reality, get a, get a partner that's a direct seat on a DSP. That will help you significantly um, in being able in that serving platform. Where it goes really, really bad is when you don't have that guidance or you don't have an overall plan, actually have a plan. It can seem overwhelming, but do it and then implement that plan. It's like everything in life. Know what you want to do, make the plan for it and carry it out. It's not rocket science, but you need to do it. So where does it go really bad is people that overpromise and underdeliver. And if you are a partner, don't overpromise and underdeliver actually carry through what you say you're going to do, do what you say you're going to do and make it, make it good for the clients, make it work because the, those that overpromise and underdeliver, they make us all look bad. <laughs> so we don't want that. We don't want that. We want everybody to be performing at the level in which they can. Um, so do that, carry it out, make sure that you have a partner that's actually willing to work with you through that process and carry it through that process. There's so, and know the strengths of that partner, ask them, what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? Find that person that's going to be candid with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I, it, there's Being so honest. many horror stories out there, Casey. There's so many bad things where a TV rep comes in and says, oh, I can sell you digital. They're not selling you digital. They are selling you TV with add-ons. And that's what it is. And it's not to the same level of if you actually have a digital partner that's helping you with it. And try to find a partner that has experience in both traditional and digital. Try not to split it up if you can. Yeah, I can definitely see how, you know, to someone selling radio ads, everything, you know, 
everything to them can be solved by radio ads. And so you, you exactly. need someone just a little bit more of a broad view to be able to tell the truth. And there's nothing wrong with that. They're salespeople. They're selling their product. Yeah. I get it. And like, and I started this whole podcast by saying traditional is not dead. That's true. And that's great, but it's okay to ask for the help and find a partner to help you in it. Mm-hmm. If that is okay, that is a hundred percent. Okay. Right. Yeah. Right. That makes sense. Well, my next question really is like, who are you? How do you know all these things? Can you take me back in time to like little Marianne days? What was it like growing up? You, did you know you're going to be an entrepreneur crushing things, partner du jour, like all these things. Take me back in time. I think, uh, who am I? I often laugh at that because I think of little Marianne who truly was lemonade stand at four years old type of. Did man. you really? I, I really was. I was that kid where I was like, I'm going to sell whatever. Like I remember, um, I had a cousin who wanted my, uh, little orphan Annie wallet. I think I was five. And I said, okay, how much you want to pay me for it? I've always been like, I've had that entrepreneurial spirit and I've always had that type of a attitude of it where you can build something and building something is amazing and being able to have multiple businesses and being able to do things across the board. But at the end of the day, I'm a big nerd and that is what it all boils down to. And, you know, power to the nerds. I'm all about it. And I tell my kids all the time, power, nerds grow up to be great spouses and I'm all for it. Like I'm not, I'm okay with that. And really, truly, I fell in love with media and marketing at such an early age. And it's so funny. My mom, when I first started my agency, my mom sent me a write-up of a jingle I wrote when I was eight. I've written a few jingles here or there, nothing big. That's not what I do. But the fact that I had rewritten and she said she had multiple pages of jingles that I had rewritten with songs and I'd taken common name brands and I rewrote them into jingles that were that were common songs. And she goes, you early on. And she showed me a letter that I wrote saying one day I want to grow up and own my own advertising agency. No I, don't way. Re- I don't remember this. I don't, I don't recall saying it. I don't remember any of those things. I just remember, the, like, I remember writing campaigns and loving doing that, but I never ever knew that that little eight-year-old me actually wanted to own an advertising agency. I like to say it's Angela from who's the boss that inspired me, but you know, cause she owned an agency. I don't know. But at the end of the it's day, it's almost like all the, he- the heroines back then had, had agencies of some sort shape it's or so true. You look at it, you go back and you're like, Oh, those are all ad-, ad agencies. There's so many good movies with ad agency owners and ad agencies as a whole. But that being said, and moving forward of who I became and who I, I fell in love with economics. So those are the two nerdy mm-hmm. things, marketing and economics that I fell in love with. So I bring this unique perspective as I'm in college, I worked my way through college, worked full-time in media. I started in media when I was 17 and I wow. started really young. And now, you know, all what was that first right? media gig? Was that like radio? So actually, so I started behind the scenes doing a lot of things, actually working in would have been graphic design at the time, which is still sketching because we didn't actually, we had to scan everything in. It wasn't digital yet. And then I got into TV, like small town TV station, and then eventually made it to a big network. And then eventually into radio and ended up working for the largest media firms in the world and actually took that side of it and then eventually became an agency owner. And when I did my degree in economic, I ended up getting a double major in economics and marketing. 
just fell in love with how the two of them can actually work together. And that's where I fell in love with media was because the data of economics and the feel and the planning and the strategy of marketing coming together in one world is amazing because data will always tell you a story. Everything will tell you a story there. I mean, when you marry that with marketing together, it's this amazing story for every brand. It doesn't matter. There's always a story there of what you can do for strategy. Yeah. That combination of being able to be creative and then not just going out in the ether and hoping that it works, but being able to measure things later and know if you were correct. And if you were great, celebrate, if you weren't do something different, but not just hoping. Yep. That's exactly right. And when you look at it and you say, okay, marketing and economics together, like you said, it's that creative side. Media can be very creative. Not, I'm not just talking about your ad. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about how you are strategically targeting. You have to be creative in how you're doing that. And that, that combination of the two is just, it's absolutely incredible to think about. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's it's now you like with your agency now, who are the right, who is your number one? Who have you identified are your number one target consumers? We work a lot with ad agencies actually. So we offset and carry their media. Uh, that's a huge piece of who we work with. So the two target clients that we work with is ad agencies directly where either we are your media department or we offload what your media department can't carry um, or where your strengths aren't, we've, we help fill in those gaps. And we then work directly with brands, with their CMOs, within their in-house marketing team. So those are the two target areas that we primarily focus. And that's what we've grown our business on. And I'll tell you, I preach this niche constantly and know your audience well, because I can tell you from my own business and from who I am, target, get to know your customer, get to know who they are. But that is that is who we work with primarily is knowing who are the in-house marketing team and then the ad agencies. That's who we work with. Love that. So now I'm going to challenge you even further because you brought it up. So brands with CMOs. Okay. What kind of cars do these CMOs drive? Okay. All right. Actually they vary, but what, what do they drive? They, you would think like you would think Mercedes and various things, the highest of the CMOs actually are a lot down to earth people, believe it or not, even in these huge, huge, huge companies. So a lot of times they are depending on their age group, but within our sweet spot, they're usually an SUV that they're driving. They're usually driving is somewhere. It's not over the top fancy, but it's not down on the bottom. So it's like right in that middle range of price range, which is another way of targeting is price range, not just by brands and knowing that they have that, that's who, that's who they are. Most of them are parents. We work with both male and female. We are a little heavy. Well, I guess it's probably about 50, 50, mm-hmm. actually. We, at one point were a little bit heavier in the female space, but now I think it's about 50, 50. And yeah, they definitely have that, that, that broad range of who they are, but they have their life outside. Totally get it. Uh, yep. What color car are they most likely to drive? <laughs> okay. Now you're really testing me, Casey. I honestly, I don't know that I've ever... I don't know if I've gotten that deep into it. I know our team targets that way, but I don't know if I, I would say blue. How about that? Let's go with blue. Yeah. See, I'd be fascinated. That's my favorite color car, right? Blue. See, see, mine's red, but I, I had to, I had to work to eventually get to the red 
But yeah, I'd be curious though, because I only, I always feel like, you know, there's the colorful cars and then there's like the, just the car cars, just you car, know? Right. Yeah. Like yeah. that silver gray car. Yeah. I, I say blue, I have a blue and I have a red SUV. Okay. So I have two, like, I guess I'm kind of describing myself. See, so. I've got, <laughs> I've got a red SUV as well okay. and it's a Jeep and most yeah, I do too. I, I have a red Jeep, red Jeep. See? see, see, I like waving at people, right? Yes. Yeah. You know, the see, Jeep wave. Nobody else has that. Right. It's Nobody. So true. It's like, yep. I so I wave at people all the time, Casey. Yeah. I'm telling you, it's true. See? That makes it's sense. a thing. So it I would, I would be curious to know if later on, I bet you'll now the seed is planted. Oh, it's totally planted. It's totally, you know? I'm going to start paying attention. I'm more to pay attention to the characteristic traits of, you know, do they have kids? Do they, you know, what type of, what type, you know, oh, what's the size of the company, those types yeah. of how many employees do they have? And, but now I'm going to sit there and think about, even further, what kind of, what color car? Yeah. Are you so your list yeah. was all the actionable things you should be thinking yeah. about. Mine is <laughs> your list was not, but that's okay. I'm like, now here's a question. Have you heard of the ducking? Have you been ducked in as a Jeep owner? No, but I'd like to hear about this. It's a new thing now. So now your okay. Jeeps wave at each other. But if, if we see another Jeep parked or you park next to one, you leave a little plastic duck. On I have the, not on heard about this. Oh yeah. my word. Okay. Yeah. So I've been ducked like three or four times now. I have never been ducked. And also at, be, at like it sounds amazing. Yeah. Oh yeah. At now at hiking trailheads, I've actually been bearded. So people okay. have left like a beer under my yeah. windshield wiper. But yeah, the ducks. And so you end up having some, but then also maybe okay. getting some. And so you can duck another Jeep. And I so like in it. my Wait, mind, you I'm find start, out a customer. I'm gonna start doing it. Why not? Well, yeah, if you find out a customer yeah. has a Jeep. Well, then you send them a duck with your company logo on it. I know? like it. I see. So, I've never heard of this. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. We're helping the trend grow. Like yes, the trend that yes. started wherever it started. Now it's, yes. it's, now it's growing. Going. It's like wildfire. As Jeep owners, we are a breed. There's a little no crazy, doubt. but yep. it's worth it. Like in, so a little adventurous. Like, we're adventurous people. Yeah. Yeah. And see, I'll get a Tesla as soon as they start waving at each other. <laughs> you know, but <laughs> until they do. Yeah, that's true. It's very true. <laughs> I mean, I'm in, I'm in my wife's car waving at people and she's like, you're not in your Jeep. I'm like, oh, you're not in your Jeep. my bad, my bad. Oh, sorry. It's just a habit. Person's like, who's that? Do you know yeah. that person? I don't I know. Just wave. <laughs> I know. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm in my Jeep. Yeah. No, right. I get it. Totally get well, it. I have a bit of a hypothetical question for you now. I love hypotheticals. See, I may or may not have a time machine here in oh. New Hampshire. Oh. It's yeah. actually in the backyard covered in a tarp. But let's say you come visit. Come mm-hmm. visit New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. We get some lobster, some beer, and you get to use the time machine, right? Yep. It's a particular yep. kind of time machine, though, because it goes back in time to four days after graduating with that marketing economics degree. And you get to meet that Marianne. Yep. And you can have a conversation with her. You can say anything you want, and the, the space-time continuum will be okay. You won't create, right. Right. you know. No ripples. A time loop or ripple or anything. Flashpoint won't be created. You'll be okay. Right. Good to, know. Um, Good to know. What do you tell yourself? What kind of things do you say? I think this is what I would tell myself. And I think this is so important for all entrepreneurs. And if I, and I tell every young entrepreneur this anytime, trust your gut. There's going to be a lot of people that are going to tell you what you should do. They're going to try to scam you into things that are going to try to pull you into events. They're going to try to pull you into businesses. They're going to try to pull you into whatever, and you're going to be eager and you're going to want to do it. And you're going to want to be like, this is my path to success. And I'm so afraid to say no to something 
Because what if it's the next Chick-fil-A? What if it's the next whatever? Trust your gut. Do that research. Figure it out. Know at the end of the day what pencils out and what doesn't. Because at the really, truly, if we look at it, that Chick-fil-A option and that Chick-fil-A moment, they are far and few between. But you've got to listen to your gut when it's time for it and listen to it. And when it happens, you will know. Trust yourself. Trust yourself. Trust the faith that you have in yourself. Trust and know that intuition that you have. And it is okay. Don't be afraid. Just go for it. So that, that is the biggest thing. And I say it anytime I possibly can to any young entrepreneur, trust your gut, listen to it, listen to everything that you have. If you have a weird feeling about something, you're right. That's, that's a weird feeling. And that's not right. If you have a red flag and don't ignore it, call it out, be direct, be upfront, know who you are. Don't worry about what others think and just keep going forward. Hmm. It sounds like you're feeding that gut too. You said, do the research at the end of the day, know what oh, pencils yeah, out. Absolutely. So you're not just letting your gut just it. fly around yeah. and good luck. No, gut. You're like, no. I'm giving you whatever I can give you. Yes. Do that research. Find out what's going on. Find out who the, if somebody wants to come and get into business with you, find out who they actually are, meet their family, get to know who they are as an individual, get to know what their past practices have been. Don't go into business with somebody without checking references. I mean, I'm serious. Like it's things like that. Do the research, find out, don't go into everything blindly, but at the same time, trust it. If there's red flags for you, make sure that you're, you're fulfilling whatever it is that that red flag is to answer the question that your gut has. It's okay. And I'm going to tell you nerves and gut are two totally different things. You will be nervous going into some business opportunities. I promise you. It's when your gut's going, something's not right. Something's not right. I'm not sure what it is. Trust that. Know that. It's okay to say no. It's okay to turn down an opportunity. And then tell also, me about that. Tell me about the nerves versus gut, though, because yeah, that's tricky. All of us are nervous, no matter what. Or all of us, when you're taking any kind of risk, you're going to have a moment of, oh my gosh, did I just do this? Yeah. What am I doing? But when it's fueled with excitement and when it's fueled with, you can't sleep at night because you can't wait to launch this, or you are so excited to wake up and do that. You figured out where you're going. That's one thing that's nerves. That's adrenaline. Slow that down enough to ask your gut. If there's anything negative in it that are red flags that you're ignoring, don't ignore the red flags. I love that. And dig deeper on those red flags. It's totally fine. And honestly, if you do say, if you do say yes to something and later on, there's a red flag, here's the next thing I tell myself, it's going to work out. It's going to be okay. I promise everything. There's never a, oh my gosh, it's the end of the world. It will work out. Everything works out. Yeah. That's really huge because otherwise you can just cycle you can around spiral all day long and you'll never get anything done. It's yeah. okay. So yeah you know, related story. I went hiking by myself outside of Anchorage on a business trip. Oh, and I had geez. these little things going, should I be doing this? Does anyone know I'm actually here? <laughs> and are there random bears out there? They're going to eat Did you me. lose cell coverage? I don't even know. And this okay. was you know, a couple right. years ago, okay. decades ago. And so thankfully I ran into a bunch of German tourists who were like hiking as well. I'm like, 
I'm going to hike with you guys if that's uh-huh. cool. And they're like, uh-huh. they're like, yeah. And I'm thinking, hmm, which one of these guys can I outrun? Um, <laughs> they all look pretty fair. They all look like footballers. Yep. I don't know. Exactly. Um, exactly. But yeah. So listen to that, that voice and feed it. But then. Yes. Yes. Know okay. exactly what you are, what, if that, if you have a red flag and usually what happens is it's a red flag and we go, Oh, the, no, 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 that's nothing because we want it to happen so badly and we want it to work so badly. It's okay to explore the red flags in the gut. And you should, because you don't know what will be unveiled and you want to keep digging. There's always, I I will tell you, like in any business decision, you don't always know everything that you're deciding. You really don't. And young entrepreneurial, anyone that you feel like, you know, you feel like you understand and no, that's going to be fine. Where in reality, stop, slow down for five minutes. Don't let that adrenaline and excitement and nerves talk you out of there's something not right, or there's something I need to explore. There may be, everything might be fine. Just explore it and feel yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Explore that. Yep. Don't let it go. Yep. Just because you want it to work out. Be honest with yourself. Mm. Be honest and upfront and be honest with, be upfront. It's okay to disappoint people. Make sure that you, it's like, that's at the end of the day, their life is their life. Your life is your life. And it's okay to disappoint people. You knew, I, I talk, I call I talk about our anchors a lot. This is a big subject of mine that I talk about of anchors are, is your faith, your family, the individuals that you are anchored in and that never falters and anchor serves a purpose. Everything outside of that, don't worry about it. Don't worry about what other people are thinking or saying. And if you have anchors, you don't, it makes it easier to not do that. Otherwise, if everyone's your anchor, then you're being pulled all over the place. You're all over the place. And then it's not no longer serving its purpose to hold you steady. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Neat. Yeah. Thank you so much. This was a blast. Where can people connect with you if they want to reach out? Yeah. more maybe go maybe they drive a colorful suv they're a cmo yeah, and they need some help yeah. with media buying where well, do they reach out yeah and at any point if anybody ever has questions or just wants more information i'm i love to share knowledge and i love to share info so you can reach out at mosaic.agency forward slash contact that comes straight to my email anytime any question small big whatever reach out and i'm i'm always here to help you can also find me on Twitter at Media Maps. So that's M A P S on Twitter. And I'm on LinkedIn, Marianne Pruitt. So find me, connect. I love connecting with fellow marketers and getting to know you and, and, and com- just collaborating and working together. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Well, thank you so much, Marianne, for coming on here, sharing wisdom and sharing knowledge and getting our heads screwed on straight when it comes to things like traditional media and what the possibilities are. So we don't overlook things just because they've been around for a while. Yep. Exactly. Have that omni-channel approach. Yeah. So good. So good. And for those people listening, if you've learned something and I freaking know you have, because I literally have two pages of notes over here, front and back, then share this with someone else. That is thought leadership, getting some good information into other people's hands. Let's go. That's what we need to do. You know, one person, nine people, 3,004 people. Either way, share this information. And again, Marianne, thank you so much for being on here. Thank you so much, Casey. I appreciate it. All right, everybody. It's been another exciting episode of the Hardcore Marketing Show. We will catch you all next time.